There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Giannis Pappas and Olivia Harlan-Decker. Welcome to Unleashed, brought to you by BetMGM. Another big weekend of sports is in the books. Giannis Pappas is my co-host. How are you, Giannis? I'm doing good. It was a great weekend of sports. I enjoyed it. UFC, Masters, the end of the NBA season, watching the fourth string guys play. It was incredible. (laughs) (laughs) But there's some drama. That's why I love the play-in system. Like, I love that the last week really matters. I guess it always does to wrap up the eight seed, but I love that teams are really vying to miss the play in tournament. And I, I just, I like the new, the new layout. Giannis, do you notice anything different about me? Um, let me see. Blonde hair check, spray tan check, pregnancy yep. check. All is par for the course so far. Blue eyes check, hoop earrings. <laughs> I, you tipped me off because you kept showing them to me. So uh, is this that a push is what present? I wanted to ask you. It's a push present. I just picked them up the other day. Now I still have a month left, but uh, <laughs> so I haven't pushed anything yet. But uh, I, I, I'm dying to ask you: Have you heard of a push present? Did you get your wife a push present? Yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to that type of stuff, guys have real short-term memory. You know, mm. it's like at the time I remember there was a such thing called a push present. It's much like the baby shower, all that stuff. You kind of put it in your head for a couple of minutes and then you go right back to sports when it's over. So can you remind <laughs> me again, what's a push present? Because if there's one thing you guys don't get enough of is is fucking presents. Well, I, you're kind of right about that right now with baby showers. I feel inundated. But no, I, I think I need to make a PSA because I know we have a high male audience. So my husband also did not know what a push present was. And he started nicknaming it a pushover present because I started talking <laughs> with our jeweler, just kind of let him know about it. And then he started showing me some watches. He started sending me some links to some watches for him. And I said, what, what, what are these? He said, it's for my push present. No, no, no. We don't each get a push present. Oh, Giannis, it gets worse. So he ends up talking to our jeweler also. So we're both talking to our jeweler behind each other's back. I picked out these lovely earrings, which I thought were very appropriate for what I'm about to do. And Sam got himself a watch and he said, yeah, do you mind going to pick it up? Blah, blah, blah. So, okay, whatever. I go to pick it up. And he said, and I got it engraved, but we ended up changing our baby's name. So Sam got the wrong initials of our baby on the watch engraved. I mean, that is hilarious. And, and he thought, hilarious. oh, one day, you know, when he's 18, maybe I'll give him this watch. And I got it, you know, right before he was born. So anyways, I just have to say a push present is just for the person doing the pushing. And just because Instagram now has pregnant man emojis does not mean that men now get push presents. And Sam missed the ball on that one. Very, very funny. Sam, I feel you, man. Listen, you deserve a present, okay? Guys are very underappreciated in there. Do you know we have to stand there for a couple of hours? Do you know how hard it is to stand there and watch? Very difficult. And I hear you have to sleep on a little couch. I mean, that's miserable. That's miserable. It's really miserable. It is. We get to sleep on a little couch. We get to order food and mm-hmm. we get to just watch you. So watching you, that's not easy. It's very traumatic to watch you do that. <laughs> easy. And nobody's stick easy. No, nobody's thinking about our feelings. It's very <laughs> he deserve we deserve a standing there present. So you know, uh, I, I'm with you, Sam, but it looks like that watch is going to be on eBay. I'll be searching for yeah. it so you can find someone who maybe is going to have that uh, name. 
I know. Oh my gosh. Just men. Come on. But I know that's our audience. So I wanted to just let you all know. Anyways, yeah. it was an awesome weekend for my jewelry collection and in the world of sports. The Masters <laughs> was so good. Congrats to Scotty Scheffler on winning his first Masters in green jacket. Giannis, did you see that now this one high school in Dallas, Highland Park High School, which very ritzy area, Highland Park, now has a Masters champion, a Super Bowl champion, and a World Series champion. Did you know that? I did not know that. And uh, now that you told me about it, it's, I mean, what better advertisement for a Highland Park to get athletes? I mean, they're going to have a very, very easy time recruiting people to move to Texas, to Dallas. It used to be families would come to get some tax breaks. Now they're coming to have their kids play some sports. Amazing. How about that? Yeah, Scotty Scheffler, Matt Stafford, and Clayton Kershaw. They all went to that high school. And funny enough, Clayton Kershaw was the center on the football team for Matt Stafford. So that's pretty incredible. Wow. Uh, yeah, nice area, nice part of the country. But it really was great to see Tiger Woods back and in the mix. He made the cut after not playing in a tournament in nearly a year and a half. If anyone wants to go back and listen to our episode last week, we really put that into context with Luke Donald. He was fantastic. He has all this firsthand experience with Tiger. So there was it was really fun to talk about that last week with Luke. It's still a great listen, uh, even though the Masters is wrapped up. Yeah, so everyone was following that story so closely. He started off so hot, Tiger did, and then it was just really inspiring to watch him finish at the end. It was an uphill climb, to say the least. Yeah, it was uh, just great to see him out there. And, of course, you could see those flashes of greatness still there. I mean, still holds the record there, right? Like, won it by, like, 12 shots or what was it? I mean, he's he's still the king of the Masters, and it was really inspiring just to see him back out there plan after what he's gone through. Unbelievable. And then, of course, we had the UFC What a Card 273 in Jacksonville, which I thought was part of America. But after watching it, I got some things to unleash <laughs> on. And they're very patriotic. So it was an amazing card. I watched it. As usual, I shelled out the 80 bucks. I mean, at this point, Dana White... It's 80, 80 bucks for every bucks. pay-per-view. They happen all the time. You can pay your fighters a little bit more. I see what they're making. You can pay them a little more just by how much I've given you in pay-per-views. <laughs> That's so expensive. I'm, You know, I'm not a big fight girl, but that I can't imagine people coughing that up. I can't imagine you coughing that up. I cough it up. Listen, you can't imagine coughing it up because it's not earrings. If it was earrings, you'd buy them every weekend. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> or an inappropriate watch purses. Uh, right. Yeah, so now the baseball season is underway. So if I was mad at my husband for the watch purchase, now I've just really lost him. He's the biggest baseball fan. I think there are a lot of wives across America who just hate baseball season, but it is fun to watch. We've got a great guest joining us today to discuss it. The first woman, actually, to win a gold glove and newest member of the BetMGM family. So we got to give her a very, very warm welcome, Giannis Go easy on her. AJ Andrews is joining us. I'm very excited. Very excited. Ambassador for women's softball. Gold glove winner. I mean, welcome to BetMGM. And I can't wait to talk to her about some baseball. But you know what? Before uh, we get into her, we do have to get serious for a second and talk about the horrible tragedy that happened last week. The passing of former Ohio State standout and Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Dwayne Haskins, just 24 years old. He had accomplished a lot, and it's just clear he was beloved by his teammates. Our condolences to his family and friends. Just an absolute tragedy. Yeah, and it was really hard to stomach because so much of the attention this weekend was on the initial headline, which was the tweet from Adam Schefter. It broke the news of his passing, and... Let's just say it wasn't worded right at all. Uh, it, was, it was hard to read. He ended up deleting it, and... Then reposting it, he has apologized. You know, it's a tough business. News breaks so fast. Everyone's rushing each other to the news. But this was a death. This was a death of a young man. And the tweet was about his failings at his sport, which was, I mean, he was still a current NFL player. Like, I, it just, it really, it upset my stomach. Married to an athlete, I cannot imagine, and I hate even going here, and I hope I don't cry because I am hormonal and pregnant, but I, I can't <laughs> imagine if something ever happened to my husband 
and the headline mentioned anything about his career, especially something negative about his career, I can't imagine how that felt for his family to read that. And I mean, Schefter has been buried for this, so I don't mean to do it anymore, but come on, we got to have perspective. Yeah, I think it was a mistake. It happens with Twitter a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. he was the first to break the story. That is the type of story where you kind of take off your sports journalism Mm -hmm. hat and just report exactly what the tragedy is. And unfortunately, he he got his signals crossed. But, you know, I I just hope we we understand people are flawed. You know, we forgive him. It was a mistake. I think his Mm -hmm. apology I believe he apologized on his podcast, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was appropriate. I think he acknowledged what he did and it was wrong. And, um, you know, nobody's perfect, but, you know, the right. real tragedy is is the actual tragedy. It's just, it's horrible when you hear something like that and, uh, you know, just hug everyone and tell everyone you love them because you never know. Life, life is very uncertain and that's why sports are so great. You know, it gives us joy, gives us a little mental break from some of the things that make life hard this being one of them. So really condolences to the family, to the organization, Mm -hmm. to all his friends, and just a a horrible loss. It absolutely is. Absolutely is. So let's switch gears a little bit to the part of the show where we unleash. It's time to unleash. Time to unleash. So the NBA playoffs are finally here. Games every single night for the next two months. Hallelujah. I personally, like I said, love this new playoff format. It makes the end of the regular season so much more important. More teams matter. More games matter. And most importantly, a little bit more betting. So two teams that many people thought would be in the NBA finals now need to play their way into the playoff bracket. The Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Clippers. These make-or-break games, I think, are really great for the sport. They're easy to sink your teeth into and get people into playoffs nice and early. But I want to unleash on one team that will not be there, the Los Angeles Lakers. The team that many thought would be back in the NBA Finals couldn't even qualify for a spot in the play-in round. And on Monday, the Lakers made it official. They fired their coach, Frank Vogel, after three seasons, despite winning a championship just two seasons ago. I think this is horrible. He's out after a 33-49 and season. That was good for 23rd in the NBA. But come on, he's taking all the fall for a season filled with injuries, very questionable roster moves by Rob Polinka and a team that seemed that they could just never gel. LeBron picked this team. LeBron picked this team. Like what, why are we acting like this was, this was a coaching error? AD's always hurt. Westbrook wasn't a fit. And even Magic Johnson came out recently that DeMar DeRozan was supposed to come to La La Land. It was never supposed to be Westbrook. LeBron and him started talking and he made this happen. So, Lakers had to get rid of all these great young pieces to get LeBron's guys, and it was a disaster. So, look, that's what you get with LeBron now. Even Steph Curry, how about last week, he was saying, no, I'm good, when LeBron said that he wanted to play with him. That's where we're at. LeBron is still great. No one is questioning his greatness. He may be the best ever. That's another argument. But if I'm an NBA GM, I am not falling for that same script again and going the LeBron route. Now, he may get you a title but he's going to blow up your franchise in the process. He may get you one title and then it's over. That time has passed. So Rob Palinka saying all the right things, but he did say on Monday, there's a great amount of trust and he's referring to him and LeBron or the front office and LeBron to get it right this summer. But now look ahead at this summer. Only seven players are under contract and that alone has them at $27 million over the salary cap. They're paying these old guys way too much, and it's not producing. And they don't even have a first-round draft pick until 2025, Giannis. 2025. This is not going to turn around quickly. So it seemed like Frank Vogel was the least of the Lakers' problems, but he's the one that took the fall for their struggles. And the Lakers hope to find a new coach by the draft in June. So this is a very intriguing story, but I... I have a hard time thinking that firing Frank Vogel was the right move. That was an amazing Unleashed. I couldn't emphatically agree any more. This is really, I hope, going to shine a light on this sort of play with your friends. Right. Giving players this much power, super team nonsense that 
has really in some way ruined the NBA. LeBron has taken a lot of flack for this because obviously, you know, he went down to Miami originally and held a big press conference and, you know, he kind of redeemed himself a little bit by going back to Cleveland and winning that title with Kyrie. But yeah, this move was all LeBron. It was all the organization just bowing to him and what he wanted. He gave away all these young role players to get Russell Westbrook. It was a tragedy. And it's just, it's sad to see the the coach scapegoat. I could not agree with you more on this. I mean, the only good thing about the Lakers season is maybe the emergence of, of Austin Reeves. The kid looks like he can play. I think yeah. he had a triple-double in the last game. I like him. He's athletic. He's got a handle. He can shoot. I mean, I can't wait to see him get out of Los Angeles. Maybe he's going to get himself a little bit of a nice contract. That's about it. But yeah, I mean, it's over. I think LeBron's reign is over. And, uh, you know, when when the LeBron-Jordan conversations come up amongst fans, you got, this is a stain on LeBron's legacy, the way he just always kind of pursues players and tries to be the GM. Jordan played for one team. He brought home the chip six times. And it was an era where he didn't make friends with people on opposing teams. Yeah. LeBron, why don't you keep your off-season friendships in the off-season and keep the killer instinct on the court? Because you and Russell Westbrook and your secret handshakes can go blues. <laughs> well, to be fair, MJ did go to Washington and did kind of what LeBron's doing of scoring a ton of points on a bad team. And... I do feel like people have a short memory, like even that you didn't mention it. Like, I think people will forget that. I'm not saying people forget LeBron was a Laker, but I think people will gloss over the struggling final years maybe. But this, what you said is so right about the legacy of trying to build these teams and basically being a bad GM, I think do, like you said, kind of stain LeBron's legacy a bit. Uh, But, you know, if the last dance taught us something, it was that that was not what Michael Jordan wanted. Right. That yeah. is oh, what right. the franchise wanted. So he wanted to continue to play, wanted to retire a bull. They wanted to blow up the team. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, obviously premature. So uh, you can't really blame Jordan for that. You know, he went and played out the rest of his career, but that's not what he wanted. So that was sort of the opposite, in my opinion, of this, where LeBron is basically the GM. It's brutal. It's absolutely yeah. brutal. Talking of brutality, let's move to a brutal sport (laughs) that I love, that America loves, that the world loves. And it really is bringing just so much excitement every weekend, whether it be on, you know, TV or pay-per-view. The UFC always delivers. To borrow an adage from our previous guest, the legend, Mr. Kellogg himself, it always delivers. Not just the March Madness tournament, the UFC does as well. And this was no exception down in Jacksonville. Sold out arena. What a card. Exciting fights, especially watching Hamzat and Burns go at it. Fight of the night, obviously. But one thing that did surprise me that I want to unleash on is what is going on in Jacksonville? Okay. We had a, a rematch title fight between Aljamain Sterling and the Russian. Can I say that more emphatically? The Russian, who happens to be from a country that is in a war that we oppose and we support the other side. And Aljamain Sterling, Jamaican heritage, but he's a Long Island kid. He's a Long Island king from a Long Island gym. His coach has a Long Island accent. You can't get more American than Long Island. And here we are, the crowd in Jacksonville is booing him, booing him at his intro, booing him throughout the fight, booing the decision that he won, and cheering the Russian Peter Young, or Peter Young, however you pronounce it in what that commie language. Here's the deal. I'm an American, okay? I don't care who's president. I don't care anything. I support my country. That's what it is. And when you got an American going up against Russian, I mean, I don't know how many times you got to watch Rocky to know you cheer for the goddamn American. Okay, I don't care what it is. I expect more out of you, Jacksonville, Florida. I expect more out of you. Now, I know that the booing was because you want to claim that you're UFC fans and Aljamain Sterling won the title in controversial fashion because of a disqualification. That's not his fault. 
That wasn't his fault that the Russian illegally kicked him while he was on the ground in the head. Okay. He was also fighting in that match with like a messed up neck. He dominated Petra Young, however you pronounce it. I'm not going to learn it. Peter Young. I'm going to Americanize it. Peter Young. He dominated him in rounds uh, two and three, took his back, rode him like a backpack for most of it. And he was just getting booed the whole time when he was trying to submit him. He couldn't submit him because Peter Peter Jan is very good. He didn't submit him, but he won the fight. And um, it was just very disappointing to hear those boos for a guy who executed a game plan, beautiful jujitsu and ground control the whole match. Well, really, rounds two and three. And that first round, I don't see what the controversy is. He outstruck him in that first round. So when you go back and watch that fight, he outstruck him in that first round. So, and even if he didn't, even if the judges gave it to him and it was wrong, you still cheer the American or you get deported. That's my new law. I'm I'm lobbying. I'm calling. I'm calling Dana White right now and say, if anyone cheers for a Russian against an American ever again, they're getting deported. They're getting deported. I've had enough. USA, USA. I'm going to watch I Rocky. Love it. You, you do the rest of the episode. <laughs> I love it. That was so patriotic. Very good. No, I and I always like, because you always educate me on UFC too on this show. So I appreciate that. You always keep us up to date. But man, that is... That is horrible. I, I I didn't even know this happened until you told me. That's horrible. Yeah. And during the match, even Joe Rogan was like, wow, I mean, the crowd is rooting for a Russian. He's like, you know, we're in Florida. Weird things happen in Florida. Yeah, it was really, I get it. Like I said, part of the reason they were booing is because they thought he won the title illegitimately. But again, it wasn't his fault, like I said. And secondly, I mean, you know, he proved himself this second fight. He won. So it's like, give yeah. the guy a chair. I mean, he got booed the whole time. It was really... It was really weird. So that was my only problem. Otherwise, great card. <laughs> my expensive card. <laughs> but good. I know I know you are upset. Like you are heated. I think like a cartoon, there's steam coming out of your ears. But you know who might be <laughs> as upset as you is our bad beat winner. Bad beat of the week. So it's Paul Mansour. L- listen to this Twitter name. You, sh- you should be happy I'm reading this one. At Paul Man. Two two three five nine two two three. Do you think that's someone's phone number? What is that? Social? Come yeah. on. That's, I was about to say, hey, social? Paul, man, <laughs> you're not supposed to put your social security number in your screen oh. name, buddy. <laughs> were were the, all the other Paul Mans one, two, three, and four? Were all those taken? <laughs> Anyways, but uh, yeah, he won our bad beat of the week winner, which is amazing because he gets a hundred bucks of BetMGM credit to try his luck again. But listen to how he lost. He hit us with two four-leg parlays that he lost out on by one leg. It always is that way. Three out of four ain't bad, except in betting. Uh, but he's going to get 100 bucks, so that's awesome. Let's switch gears over to baseball and go ahead and bring in our guest. AJ Andrews is next. She's a professional softball player who became the first woman ever to win a Rawlings Gold Glove. That's incredible. The first woman ever. And now she's helping you win money on baseball and more. As a member of the BetMGM family, AJ Andrews, what's going on? Welcome. Hello. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. We're so excited to have you. This is so exciting. Welcome to the family. Everyone here is so awesome. I think you're going to be very happy with BetMGM. I know we are. But let's talk a little baseball and softball, of course. But first, I've got to ask you about this. This is so cool. I'm not sure if many of our listeners know this. Last year, you trained with the U.S. Olympic skeleton team. What was it like picking up an entire different sport? I mean, softball and skeleton only have one thing in common, and that's that they begin with an S. <laughs> yeah. And sliding. There's sliding in both there sports. You go. But yeah, you know, for me, it's um, it was really interesting. I'm one of those people that just love trying new things. I I don't know if it's a toxic trait or if it's a great quality <laughs> that I truly think I can do anything. And so, you know, I went into skeleton, a friend of mine... Alana Myers, who is a renowned Olympian in bobsled, she played softball in college. And so we've just been connected throughout the years. And I just kind of asked her, I said, Alana, I want to win a gold medal. Like, let me know more about bobsled. How can I get involved? And so I went to a camp 
June of la- of 2021 and did both bobsled and skeleton there. And it was on a push track, so no ice. But I don't have the size for bobsled. Mm-hmm. And so went more into skeleton. And, you know, it was it was really interesting. My first time on the ice, act very terrifying, very terrifying. But um, it redirected and, you know, kind of rewired the way that I viewed fear or at least embraced fear because every time I felt so, I mean, I felt nervous before a softball game, but I've never been genuinely afraid, wow. right, of going up to the plate or going out on the field. And um, I was terrified going on the ice, even after the first one, like every single time I was nervous. And so, but I, I still did it. And wow. so it kind of completely changed the way that I address fear as to allowing myself to feel it rather than try to write it off or get rid of how afraid I was. No, feel those emotions, feel how I am feeling in this moment, but then allow it to pass. And I'm excited to see how that's going to translate when I get back on the field for softball. And I've never been someone that's afraid of failure, but I've also always been someone that's tried to turn my mind into, okay, you got this versus feeling it and letting it pass. So yeah, I'm excited how, you know, the two sports, while very different, uh, will complement each other and my success and hopefully both of them. Wow. You mentioned sliding. Was your love of sliding part of why you picked Skeleton? Because you're known for sliding, reaching for balls. You even famously broke your hand once and then continued to play the whole (laughs) season with a broken hand and you broke your hand from sliding. So you're definitely, you may have gotten over your fears, but it sounds like you have no fear of pain. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, I definitely, fear of pain. Yeah, I don't have a fear of that. I guess I don't have a fear of, I don't think about those things. So like in the moment, the only thing I can think of is my goal, right? Mm -hmm. So when I broke my hand, I was just thinking I'm about to rob this girl of a hit, (laughs) right? I just want to make this diving catch and that's it. Um, and then like, there's times I've run into the wall. I'm not concerned or even thinking that the wall is there. I just want to make the catch. So my brain like turns off to the things around me. And yeah, so I think that that's as far as sliding and, um, what I'm going into, I just think it's, it's a part of who I am. I'm just trying to try to slide in and make the best plays. So hopefully in skeleton, I can slide in and and win a gold medal. I love that. Very aspirational. Yeah. How did you play softball with a broken hand? Like, did you take Advil? I mean, how do you continue to play with a completely broken hand? <laughs> yeah, it it was rough. I mean, I would pa- like wrap padding around my hand. It was my glove hand. So thankfully, it only hurt when a ball landed in my glove. But, uh, you know, I would have padding. And then when I would swing, my swing got pretty jacked up. I started to, you know, really let go early and just kind of swing with one hand. But for me, it was just, I wasn't going to stop. And, you know, honestly, the the year that I broke my hand was the year that I won the gold glove. (laughs) So, you know, I'm happy and I'm thankful (laughs) I didn't stop. And I remember actually, I think the play that really solidified me winning the gold glove was it was the first time I had I dove and made a, a diving catch after breaking my hand. And it was a really great catch going backwards. And I remember always we talk about fear, right? I have been fearful of landing on my hand wrong if I made a diving catch again and just completely shattering it and not being able to get back on the field. Like there are all these thoughts. And then in that one play, I was kind of solely back on focused to my goal. And it had been the first time since I broke my hand that I wasn't thinking about what might happen if I land on it. And I just wanted to catch the ball. And that was the play that I think got me to win the gold glove. So it's a it's a really cool cool story and a cool, you know, aspect of not allowing, I guess, you know, even a broken hand to stop you from your your goals and your destiny. <laughs> that is awesome. My blood is pumping. I didn't feel like I need to go run a mile or something right now. <laughs> that's, that's, have you ever thought about coaching or aspirational speaking in the future? Yeah, I actually, I work with a lot of young girls. I, I coach, I used to do a lot of lessons yeah. outside of when I was in college with a lot of the young athletes and it really is a passion of mine talking to, to young girls and just women in sports in general. And so it's really cool to be able to see, especially a young athlete that didn't have the confidence. Like when you get done working with them, feel a little bit, have a little bit more of a pep in their step. So it definitely is something I enjoy to do. 
You keep mentioning a gold medal. You want a gold medal. Uh, the U.S. softball team was at the 2020 Olympics. They'll be back at the 2024 Olympics uh, and has placed silver at the last two. So what do you think is in the future as we look ahead in U.S. softball? What's the state of U.S. softball? Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping it continues to grow. And being the fact that the Olympic Committee in the country that the Olympics will be in each year or each four years decides what sports are in it. I mean, softball hadn't been right. prior to this past Olympics for, I don't know, like 10 years. I mean, it's, it was a while. That's so crazy. I don't think a lot of people know that. Yeah, I know. And I don't think people, a lot of people understand that the countries choose the sports that get to be right. in the Olympics. So if it's not a big sport in that country, it's not going to be in the Olympics. So softball, big in America and big in Japan, right? So of course it was in this past Olympics, but Olympics, the Summer Olympics are going to be in, I believe, Paris in the next Summer Olympics. And it's not big in Paris. Mm-hmm. So it may not be in Paris. And so then you have the girls then having to wait eight years because after that it will be in L.A., and so, you know, it, it's hard to not, you know, you in eight years, a lot of girls are going to retire. And it's sad to think that every four years, you don't get that opportunity. And sometimes you have to wait, you, like Japan, for a lot of softball players, like that was it. Like if I didn't yeah. make it to this one, then it, it's probably going to be, that's probably going to be the end for me. And hopefully softball continues to grow to where we don't have to have the weight of hoping that the Olympics is going to be in a country that likes softball and it can continue to move on and be solidified every four years and something we can all watch. Right on. So let's go back to LSU for a second. You were there during a time that there was another big star there, Odell Beckham Jr. OBJ. (laughs) Did you guys ever get a chance to hang or train together? Do you know him at all? Any stories? Yeah, me and him were came in at the same time. So we're the same age. We're freshmen at the came in as 2011. And then also Odell, but also Alex Bregman was there at the same mm-hmm. time as huh. me. And so yeah, there's a lot of there are a lot of tigers out there doing it big in the big leagues. But yeah, me and Odell, we were really cool. We were cool in college. He was somebody we lived in an apartment apartments on campus and we called it WCA, but we called it as the athletes club dub. All the athletes <laughs> lived pretty close to each other. He lived in the infamous Building 8. And if you ever talked to him oh. or any athlete or football player that lived in Building 8, like that was that was the building. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> it was, it's very cool. And it's fun to, you know, whenever I get to see, I see him sometimes at different events or at SBs, And it's cool to connect after so many years of, you know, the grind that we put in wearing purple and gold and to see it now being shown to the world in the professional sports. So really proud of him and all that he's accomplished. And now that he's a new dad and, you know, I think it's, it's really cool to watch him succeed. That's awesome. Let's shift gears a little bit to the baseball season right now, as that is what you're going to help with BetMGM doing, you know, baseball to me is evolving every season. They are continually trying to figure out ways to bring in more fans from the speed of the game, eliminating the shift to miking up players during telecast this year. What's something you would like to see the MLB do or maybe something they've already done that you think has made a big impact? Yeah, I think that, you know, just continuing to give athletes, the players, more of the spotlight to just show who they are as people, mm-hmm. um, what makes them unique, what makes them authentic. I think what different leagues like the NBA or NFL do, do so well is that you, yes, you're a fan of the league. You may be a fan of a team, but you also are a fan of a certain player and just the pizzazz that they bring, right? whether it be their style, whether it be things they like to do off the field, right? You know more about those players and what they do off the field, as well as you know their stats on the field. And I think if baseball can do the same and really be able to portray those athletes in that way to where, yeah, yes, I love watching Mike Trout play or Judge play, but I also really like him as a person, right? Knowing those personal stories about those people, I think that's what makes people real fans of people, mm-hmm. even when they're not doing well. You know, I think it's easy to be a, a fair weather fan unless you actually know the person and you enjoy who they are is in their character. And I think being able to tell more of those stories with the MLB will continue to allow people to connect more with uh, Major League Baseball and the people that play. This year, uh, I think uh, he's a little bit before your time, maybe, but I'm sure you're aware of Ichiro, I, I, you know, as a softball player, yeah. baseball fan. He's yeah. getting into the Hall of Fame. I consider him maybe the best hitter of all time because when you look at his 
Japanese numbers. He has more hits than Pete Rose and Ty Cobb. Who is your favorite hitter who you've watched? Someone who's wowed you with their ability to do the hardest thing maybe in sports, which is hit a baseball and get hits. Man, yeah, you know, I definitely love Ichiro because when you talk about that, I think so much when people think of hitting, they think of just the bombs, right? They think of the big hits, they think of the home runs, and they don't think about the players that uh, get on base to allow those people who do hit the home runs every single game or every other game to score the runs. And it's about being efficient and being consistent, but softball and baseball. And so I, I was actually having this conversation with Kenny Lofton this past weekend, who is one of the best base stealers to ever be in MLB. And he was talking about how that's missing in the game, right? Everyone's considering and con- keep talking about having the big hits rather than just being consistent and how uh, you don't really see players like that anymore. And so Hmm, I would say that from, I mean, Giancarlo Stanton, even though he's a big hitter guy, like that's that's been one of my favorite players to watch for a really long time. But I do think that players that can just put the bat on ball and be really efficient can help the the big hitters when they come up. You mentioned Kenny Lofton, who did steal a lot, and that's an art in baseball that's kind of that's kind of changed. A lot of guys don't run anymore. When I was growing up, yet. Ricky Henderson, Vince Coleman, guys who would put up big, big steal numbers. Do you think that's something that metrics has done to the game? Would you like to see more of it? You were someone who's, who was very fast and stole bases. Why do we see less bases being stolen? You know, I don't know. I, I think that stolen bases add so much electricity and excitement to the game. And, you know, there's players that are speed players, and you look at the athletes that go on. It's just exciting, right? Someone gets on base and you're like, what are they going to steal? What are they going to do? And then also when you have someone that's fast as an athlete, it makes you nervous. Even if you're in the outfield, because now it adds more pressure onto you where you have to do. You miss this ball. You know that that single is going to be a double or a triple for said person because they're fast. And, you know, if they get on base as a pitcher, now you're concerned about whether they're going to steal on you. Now you're you're distracted. You have so much more to think about than just trying to throw a strike. And so I think that I don't know what has made that shift. I don't know why it's changed so much. But I do think if baseball can get back to that, again, we talk about how baseball is a dying sport and it's not exciting anymore. Bringing more of the exciting elements back into the mm-hmm. game, such as base stealing, I think would do baseball so much justice. It's it's fun to watch those fast players. It's fun to watch a home run. But to me, when you have someone fast on base – like to, when I was on base, I would love to create havoc, right? Pretend like I'm stealing, <laughs> then go, maybe not go, delay steal. I mean, you you see a team become depleted when someone is just taking control out on the base pass. So I would love to see more of that again. That's good perspective, too, about what it's like when you're out there trying to create that havoc. That's exciting. You mentioned Alex Bregman earlier, your fellow Tiger. He looked really good opening week. Astros all-star third baseman. Astros looked really good. Uh, A team like Toronto, who had a lot of attention with a lot of young talent, a lot of off-season moves. They had a good opening week. What else sticks out to you from this first handful of games that we saw? Any early reactions? I don't necessarily have too many early reactions. I think I'm excited to see more about what the Braves are doing. I think always mm-hmm. seeing a team bounce back from winning, uh, the, from winning the whole thing is what's interesting. I think they had a decent weekend, but just more improving, especially after losing a leader and just what a young team like that can do moving forward and see if they really still have that pizzazz that they had the past year. For me, I just think it's just kind of watching the teams. There's been so many moves, so many moves in this offseason, so many trades, and just consistently watching how those play out. For me, it's hard to really tell from the first weekend, but I think once we continue to get more into the season, second weekend, third, that's when you really see what you're probably going to, mm-hmm. what's going to play out for the rest of the year. All right, we got to talk about my team. I'm a huge Yankee fan. I'm from New York. Okay. The Yankees are my squad. That's my squad. I liked it when you said Stanton there. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Aaron Boone, Aaron Boone, he gets a three-year contract extension this offseason, which uh, doesn't seem like the Yankees. They don't do that. Do you think he deserved it? Like, do you think he should have more postseason success before he gets that big extension? What's your thoughts about that? I, you know, it, to me, it does seem uncharacteristic because I feel like anytime a Yankee 
gets those extensions, they, they've 100% have proven themselves. Right? It's undeniable that so-and-so deserves whatever they're going to be getting. But I think it, it proves to how much they believe in him. It proves to how much they believe in his potential and what's to come. And maybe it's a shift in the Yankee organization. They're very old school, right? And so potentially this is something you see changing. I don't, how do you feel about that? I mean, you being a huge Yankee fan, like, do you like seeing things change or would you like it to remain the same? That's a good question. I mean, I like them to remain the same because they do a lot of winning. So if th- if it if this change means they're not <laughs> going to be doing a lot of winning, then I'm not a fan of it. I love the evil empire. And, you know, if, if this is a change that's going to affect the, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I'm a little worried. I mean, Aaron Boone, he hasn't proven himself. Giving him this type of security after, you know, not really having the success the Yankees are used to in the playoffs is a little concerning because I just don't want him to get too comfortable sitting there with his chew or his sunflower seeds and thinking he's got a cushy job now. I mean, look, we have high expectations. I want you to maybe we need you on the Yankees to steal some bases. Listen, I would love to, but you talk about a winning team. I don't know. They haven't won the World Series since what, Good point. 2009. Good point. <laughs> it's, it's been a, a minute. So yeah. maybe maybe there needs to be a little bit of a change. I mean, it's great. Second place, it doesn't count. Almost doesn't count. You know right. what I mean? Honest. Like you get close, but until you until you win it, you really don't get any bragging rights. You you are right. It has been a little while. I always forget <laughs> that, but it has been, I mean, that's a long time ago. You know, the other team in New York, though, has a lot of expectations, too. I think if the Mets can get to the postseason with a healthy Scherzer and DeGrom, they could be unstoppable. Giannis, you can plug your ears if you don't want to hear any of this. But staying healthy might be the issue as Scherzer is older. DeGrom's already out for a couple months. How careful are the Mets going to be or how careful should they be, really, with a season where we only see them make 10 to 15 starts with those two? I would say being careful just because I feel like the talent that they've acquired this year is, I mean, their chances of going a really long way, I think are high. So I think making sure that you have a strong pitching staff, also keeping the players, you know, your, your best batters in the lineup healthy, making sure they're not getting targeted, you know, when they're up to bat, a lot of them got, (laughs) we're getting hit this past weekend, but, you know, I'm hoping that, um, I think that I think that you know being careful just because I think they have so much talent and this is a it's a really talented Mets team and I think moving forward if they can keep everyone healthy I think they may have a better chance than even the Yankees shall I say wow Ooh. yeah that was that was gonna be my follow up question but you just answered it so okay you go in the Mets are gonna have a better season than the Yankees all right you know I'm not gonna take that personally I uh, you know. I hope you're wrong. Let's just say that. (laughs) Well, AJ, we always like to play a game with our guests that kind of transcends sports a little bit. So this is part sports, part real life. So are you ready to play our game? Yes. What's the name? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. We don't really have a name for this one. It's more about unwritten rules. Unwritten Unwritten rules rules. in baseball. And there, yeah, unwritten rules. And there are unwritten rules in life. So let's start with a baseball one. Uh, You tell us what you think. We're going to give you the situation. You tell us what you think. So, an easy baseball one. An unwritten rule you should not show up a pitcher after you hit a home run and flip a bat or dance around the bases. Yes or no? No. No, I mean, like, no. Yes, and you can do it. Wow. Oh, okay. No, I don't believe in the other school. Okay. Let the guys have some oh, fun. It's like hard it. to come by. Like, let people celebrate. That brings yep. excitement. You've worked hard for that. If you don't want the guy to celebrate, don't throw it down the pipe. I don't really know it. I don't understand, like, being <laughs> upset about it. Like, you you allowed that to happen, and now you're mad. I just, I've never understood that. I like <laughs> okay. it. I like it. I like it. I agree with you. I agree with you. And Yeah, I'm hearing what you're saying. You're basically saying, hey, hey, baseball, get into the modern era. Let these guys showboat a little bit. Well, let them show their personality. It's fun. Yeah, I agree. Okay, another baseball one. Unwritten rule. Never bunt to break up a no-hitter. Yeah, your nay. Um, oh, I don't care. I think, you don't yay, care. you can do it. Just because it's a, a bunt's a hit. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't oh. understand why <laughs> that's a... I say, yeah, you can do it. AJ, yeah, you are ruthless. It. Yeah, she's a, she's competitor. She's like whatever. Look, if yeah. you could, if whatever it is, fuck these unwritten rules. 
<laughs> I just think, first of all, when someone's bunting, you see them about to bunt. You have ample amount of time potentially to go mm-hmm. run up and get it. Hopefully your third baseman or first baseman is athletic enough. Or if it comes right to the pitcher, you've done enough PFPs to figure out how to get over to first base. <laughs> I just think that a bunt's a hit. And uh, for you to be upset for someone boosting their batting average. Like, no one wants to have be the yeah. team that someone got a no-hitter off of, right? So, yeah, I'm a bunt. Hell yeah. Do what you got to do. Okay. I already know how you're going to answer this next one because I know how you are. <laughs> you are ruthless. Don't steal bases when you're up big late in the game. You're stealing bases. Okay. Well, <laughs> this one is probably different from what you think. I okay. think if you're up... A, by a lot and there's no probably about no chance the team's gonna come back yeah you know have a little a little a little respect ease, a little mercy and not steal <laughs> bags I think that's the least you can do you gotta hit you can stay at first you don't have to take second yep all right, just a little. You showing a little. You showing a little heart for the for the losing team. I like it. Just a little though. Only because I'm winning. Only because right. I'm winning. Right. Right. Uh, right. And no stop. All right, let's move into some non-baseball unwritten rules. Okay, have some fun. Okay. Never text someone you're flirting with after 10 p.m. <laughs> Ben. Can you do it? He, yeah, he means like the you up. Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> you up? The you up text is fine? Are you At 10 o'clock, like I'm probably up, right? But right. if you yeah. texted me at, I don't know, 1230 mm. and like, hey, you up? Yeah. No, I'm not. <laughs> you know? Or I'm not, yeah. not going to reply. <laughs> Could I text you after 12 if I'm asking you about Otani, if the scouting report on Otani is going to hurt him this year? That's fine. But no, you ups. But if I if I'm talking baseball, can I text you at one in the in the morning? <laughs> as long as you're, it's understood. I'm probably not going to respond. I'm going to text uh-huh. you back and be like, you really couldn't wait like eight more hours <laughs> right. to text me at like gotcha. eight thirty a.m. Yeah. Right. Okay. What about unwritten rule? Don't wear white to a wedding. Oh, for sure. Do not do yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, we agree on that one. You you would be escorted out of my wedding if you did oh god see <laughs> still because, you know, everyone knows that you know what i mean yeah. so if you do that that's just like you, you wanted you wanted to start some drama i've heard of people's mother-in-law showing up in white to their wedding like not planned like not like a let's all wear white thing but their their groom's mom wearing white no there's this uh thing on tiktok and it's am i the a-hole and like people tell their stories. And so a woman on there said, am I the a-hole that I got my uh, bridesmaid to, her mother-in-law wore white to pour red wine on her her mother's <laughs> dress accidentally to make her change. Wow. First of all, go bridesmaid. I would have thought to do that anyway, but. <laughs> now, why is that? I'll ask you, is that just not to compete with the bride? Is that what it is? Is that what, why is that yeah. a rule? I don't know. There should be it. one person wearing white at the wedding and it's a bride. Wow. Yeah. You guys are, yeah, you guys are vicious. <laughs> Women are vicious. It's, no. but it's a thing. Like it's the bride yeah, wearing white. You know that. If you want to mm. be the center of attention, just wear some other kind of gown. You don't need to wear white. No. It's okay. just, it's her wedding. Like, I don't know. That's a lot. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Here, I'm a comedian, so I'll ask you this one. Never right. heckle a comedian while he's on stage or else he's allowed to unleash all hell on you. Yes? No? You you back the comedians? Are you Will Smith I, or Chris Rock? I feel, I, thought, I thought comedians liked a little bit of heckling, no? Because, I mean, I guess... No. I don't know. I'm not... You don't? They don't? No. No, we never like okay. it. Okay. We never like okay. it. Yeah. Well, because sometimes I see it and they like go in on the person and it, it makes the whole thing, not that it wasn't already yeah. funny, but it's, it, it brings a lot of, a lot more humor to it. And so, um, yes, I believe if you're going to heckle, you should understand that, all right, you wanted this time, there it's time for them to, to shine on you. Yeah. So if you're going to heckle, be ready for uh, what's to come. I believe in that Got for it. sure. All right. I love I, it. I, I, I like okay. that. Thank you for backing us. Here is the last one to sum us all up. Unwritten rule. Never brag about your bet or someone else's bet that is about to win before it officially wins. Oh, yeah. I think I agree with that. It's kind of like yeah. um, when you go into a game or it's a 
like when you're it's a no hitter right everyone in the dugout's like it's a no hitter talk about it. like you're supposed to talk about it if you're the team that's about to get the, or have the no hitter against but if you're on the other team you don't talk about it right if your pitcher's about to have mm. a no hitter you're not supposed to speak on it oh. not to mention it or else it feels like it always jinx it and so I think it, it, that's kind of like the same thing applies. Don't talk about it. You're going to jinx it. Like, let it play out. Let it play out. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> well, AJ, you are awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today and previewing some of the MLB action to come. You can follow AJ Andrews on Twitter at AJ underscore Andrews. And thanks so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. some of the NBA playoffs, but let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's talk about the betting lines and bring in BetMGM, betting expert. Man, take a shot every time I say bet. Peter Andrew is joining us. Peter, how are you doing? I could use a shot right now if anybody wants to take a demo with me. So, <laughs> Hey, you and me both. I'm 35 <laughs> weeks pregnant. I could use a shot right now too. Let's take a closer look at the playoffs. They start Saturday. Suns and Bucks, two highest odds at BetMGM to win it all. So they're the favorites to meet again in the championship. Will history repeat itself? I don't think so. First off, I don't like the Suns at plus 260, and I think the Bucks are like 550. I don't think that's a good price to take right now. I think you have to start leaning mm-hmm. the different direction. It's yeah. funny that you have teams like the Nets that are in the play-in game at, at seven to one and the third third highest odds. So I think you have to look elsewhere. Both the East and the West, there's a little bit of parity. I'd say more so in the East. You look at a team like the Celtics that could come in and swing in. Obviously, we mentioned the Nets. Even teams like um, you know, like the Bulls, they can make some noise. I know they have a tough first round matchup, but there's lots of parity. I don't think it's worthwhile looking at two of the chalk favorites and we'll get into some of my picks in a second, but, or for the series, I should say, but it's going to be an interesting first couple of rounds. You never know what's going to happen. I know we're recording on Tuesday here before all the playing games are settled, but where do the nets end? Do they end in that seven spot? What's everybody's assuming? Do they end up in the eight seed and playing the one lot to tell over the next couple of days? That's interesting that you say that though, because don't you think the NBA playoffs always end up going real chalk because of the seven game series. It's usually the better team that wins the healthier team that wins. And right now we're looking at a healthy bucks team and we're looking at a healthy Phoenix team. So I'm surprised you say that the Phoenix part, the West part of it is more of the price. If they were sitting at four or five to one, I think it's worth laying a couple bucks. Gotcha. But the East, the East doesn't have that powerhouse that it's always had when LeBron was there, when the Celtics had the big three, there are a lot of teams there that can win a string of two or three games and make it a series. I mean, we'll talk, you know, Sixers, Raptors in a second. That's a team right there off the bat that Philly has not played well against them. That's the, I think it's the four five or the three six, but they've not fared well against them. And and I love the Raptors in that series. You never know what a team can do when they get hot. I know we, we probably said it a couple of weeks ago that they could, they could fare well against the Bucks. Obviously that matchup has changed, but there's so much parity in the East where, what if the Hawks get in and get that eight seed? Can they make a little bit of noise, do what they did last year where they just completely disrupted the Knicks? It's going to be tough and it's going to be harder than last year, but there are a lot of complete teams without a team that has three superstars uh, you know, in their starting five. So sticking in the East, something I've been looking at, the Miami Heat, the best team, have the sixth best odds to win the NBA championship and in their own conference. The Bucks, the Nets, and the Celtics have better odds than them. Why is Vegas cold on the heat? Do you like the way I worded that, too? Pretty clever. <laughs> Perfect. You're good, you. <laughs> I think you'll see those odds change a little bit depending on what happens in the playing game. I'm with you 100%, but I think it's the potential that they end up playing the Nets in the first round. So if the Nets lose versus the Cavs, beat the Hawks or the Hornets, end up getting the eight seed, things drastically change. If the Nets win, Nets t- take care of business, I think it's tonight, and take the seven seed, I think you'll see those odds shift a little bit, especially if they play a team like the Hornets. All of a sudden, you're going to look at them and say, okay, that plus 1,000 becomes way more likely because they're going to sweep their first-round matchup and then make their way into second. So 
It may not change drastically, but I think it has everything to do with the play-in series and what could happen. Because if the Nets end up playing the Miami Heat in the first round, Nets are probably the favorite in all honesty. So that will vary, I think, what happens once that's complete and we're looking into Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Let's look at the West a little bit. Let's talk about the West, the mighty, mighty West, where the sun is, where the suns are, and where a questionable Warriors team is. What's the line looking like for the Warriors and Steph's return, and how much does that determine? Is that line going to move based on when he comes back? So he, it looks like he's good to go, and it looks like he's healthy. Clay Thompson coming off a pretty strong performance. I think he had 41 versus the Pels last, uh, last week to wrap up the season. I think people are underrating that team. I think they're getting healthy at the right time. They're going to be playing well together versus a Nuggets team that frankly doesn't have much more than Nikola Jokic. You still have Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., not sure when they're slated to get back. The only real, call it perimeter slash interior defender they have is Aaron Gordon. That's worth speaking about. What's going to happen in terms of spreading the floor out for the for the Currys and Clay Thompsons of the world? I think it's going to be really, really tough. I like Warriors, so series minus one and a half, so to win by more than one game to close out the series. And then I think to win the series 4-1 is plus 400. I really like that. I think Nuggets will, will squeak one out at home. But otherwise, mm-hmm. I don't think that these teams compare when they're not healthy. If Murray and and Michael Porter Jr. were healthy 100%, not coming in cold whenever they do come in, right. I think you're talking a completely different series. Oh, absolutely. What's your favorite first-round series to bet on? What looks like such a lock? <laughs> it's I'm pandering again, like you called out last week when I was in Ontario, but I love this Raptors team versus <laughs> the Sixers. Like, I don't know. Again, oh, it, it's, Giannis. <laughs> It's, He's still doing it. Uh, yeah. I thought we I were mean, in an just, anti-Raptors we, podcast. I We just opened up in Canada, baby. Petey's got, he's a good company man. You know what? When Sam officially got signed, I was like, that's it. I'm changing my allegiance. Unfortunately, things changed, but I still love my yeah. Raptors. Okay. That makes one of us. <laughs> yeah, that makes one of us. Is right. <laughs> it's more about the Sixers team. It's kind of a hot mess. I mean, they can defend with the rest of them and anyone. But on the offensive side, you look at a lot of their statistical analytics when they got Harden, things have not changed. And you know what you're getting out of Embiid, but you need to know what you're getting out of Harden and the rest of the core game in, game out. The Raptors have taken them to the tool shed. I think they won 3-1 season series, or maybe it was 4-1, but games without Van Vliet, games without Siakam, a couple of games, granted, didn't have Harden because he wasn't on the team yet. But... Sixers just seem like a messy team. You see Doc Rivers coming and yapping it at the media, trying to, I guess, defend his team, but doing it in the wrong way. It just seems like they're all over the place. So for that, I'm probably gonna uh, probably gonna take the Raptors. I think they're plus 150. I might take the the series to go six games. So either way, plus 200. I think that's a fair number. It's not a sweep by any means either direction. This probably becomes a little bit of a chippy series, but but yeah, I like the Raptors. Yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pete, let me just ask you a question about Doc Rivers over there in Philadelphia. Do you think someone should just get that guy a hot tea? Because doesn't he just sound like he always needs a tea with lemon? <laughs> What's up with his voice? We, sh- we should be. <laughs> he And the funny thing is, it's like, it's not like it's gotten progressively worse. It's just stayed the same for 20 years. Every time you ever hear about him, it's, uh, yeah. Cracking, yeah, the voice is terrible. <laughs> but just get uh, the, the guy g- tea. I mean, just man, get the guy some honey with some tea. That's it. But are you even coaching if you don't lose your voice? You know, if, if you talk to a coach after a game and they have their voice, as a former sideline reporter, I feel like I'm like, you weren't even giving it all you had. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I picture like Frank Martin in my head or someone like in college circuit that just absolutely lose their right. marbles. The guy's sweating through his suit jacket and stuff. Yeah. How about Sean McVay, Super Bowl run? <laughs> he was he couldn't talk at all. Yeah. I don't know. Doc's a It's true. I mean, you look at uh Quinn Snyder over at Utah. I mean, I feel like I want to get that guy a Xanax every game. But then <laughs> the exception to the rule was, of course, the Zen master himself, Phil Jackson. But now in retrospect, when I look back, I'm like, look, I'd be pretty relaxed too if I had the most dominant <laughs> players on my team for every 
team I coached. I mean, he always talked about Zen, go with the flow. He never got out of his seat. And now I look back and look, I, dude, I think if I had Michael Jordan, Shaq, and Kobe, I probably would have slept through the games. Yeah, also, uh, also LSD is now illegal, so that doesn't help Phil Jackson's future state. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay, just when things are getting a little spicy, I think it's a great place to wrap. I always kind of watch it with you two. Peter, thank you so much for the laughs, for the pandering, for the betting lines. We appreciate you. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.